Amen. Amen. Way to rock it out, Brandon. Awesome. Love it. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all you here. My name is uh, Pastor Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, preaching pastor. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're just going to be reading a couple verses this morning. And so as you turn there, I just want to say and reiterate, we're very thankful that you're here. And we believe God has you here right on time, on purpose, for a reason, for you to know Jesus and to make him known, for you to know his word and to grow in it. So we're very thankful that you're here this morning. Welcome to church if you're with us for the first time. So Matthew 6, we're reading just two verses and all God's people said, amen. Like just two? Yeah, just two. Just two. There's a lot there, trust me. So starting in verse 11 of Matthew 6, says this, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for church this morning. Thank you for the child dedication time. We, we so pray over every single one of those children that you would bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Pray that you would lift up your countenance to each one of them and give them peace and give them a moment where they trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, be with the parents. God, may they be dedicated moms and dads, (coughs) bringing your truth of the gospel to the hearts of the children that you have given to them. So God, we rejoice in what you're doing at Living Waters. We thank you. And Lord, we pray by faith. We pray because it's a privilege to pray. We pray because we enjoy praying to you, God. It's our declaration of dependence. It is our conversation with you. And oh God, how we need you to take the word of God now and make it alive to our hearts. We need you to take these verses and make them um, illuminated in our minds. And God, we know that only you do that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we trust you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing our series, Praying Like Jesus. And this is our fourth week of this series. So if you're jumping in for the first time, welcome to the prayer series We're very excited about what uh, praying is all about. If you are praying and you're praying as a Christian, that is a miracle of God's grace. Before you were a Christian, you didn't pray. And if you did pray, you prayed incorrectly. And if you were praying as a world religion person, or if you're praying as a secular person, or if you're just praying like, oh, in an emergency situation, uh, you, you were praying falsely. But now, if you know Jesus, it is a miracle of grace that you're praying. You were opened up to Jesus, his cross, his resurrection, and now you are invited to pray. And every time you pray, it is a celebration of God's grace. And so we are titling this morning's sermon, Give Us and Forgive Us. Give Us and Forgive Us. And we're working through the Lord's Prayer. And verse 11 and 12 Uh, remind us of the continuation of where we were last week. 
Remember last week we talked about starting your prayer. What are you supposed to do when you start your prayer? How are you supposed to start with this prayer? Hallowed be thy name, our Father who art in heaven. There's a lot of worship going on in the beginning of prayer. There's a lot of submission to God's will and his ways. And, and ultimately we discovered when we start praying every day, we start our prayers, it is going to be a battle zone, right? Remember that? It's a battle to pray. It's hard to pray. It's difficult to pray. And many of us want prayer to be butterflies and rainbows and, you know, you know, unicorns and all these wonderful things. And I'm just telling you, that is more akin to your lucky charms, amen, <laughs> than it is to biblical Christianity. A biblical Christian goes into prayer understanding that it is warfare and it is hard and it is difficult and we are fighting against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly realms. We are working hard in prayer and it's very difficult at times. So we talked about distance versus intimacy, if you remember that from last week, casualness versus reverence. Selfishness versus God-centeredness, and pride versus submission. So if you remember those things from last week, that's how we begin our prayers with praise and intimacy and reverence and God-centeredness and submission. But what do you do after you start your prayer? What do you do? Like, how do you get to the middle of your prayer? And what are you supposed to do after the first part of your prayer? Just Say amen and be done, or is there more to this thing? Well, this morning, we are going to talk and hear from Jesus about the importance of petition. Petition, and that's verses 11 and 12. Petition, if you didn't know, is a formal written request. That is petition. That's the definition of what we do when we pray and we start asking God for things. We start getting practical with God. After our praise and worship and submission, we have to move into a season of petition. We got to tell God what's going on in our hearts. And so petition is getting down into the nitty gritty of your life. Okay, so if you're going to pray well, you've got to get down to the nitty gritty with God. You've got to be able to be honest with God. You've got to be able to tell God what's going on inside of you. And this is getting practical, okay? Petition is getting practical. This is also a moment in your prayer life where you are going to feel a little bit selfish because you're going to like, well, I have to talk about me. I'd rather not talk about me in prayer. I'd rather just exalt God and praise him and submit to him and whatever your will is. I don't want to talk about me, but Jesus is commanding here in verse 11 and 12 that we petition him, we tell him what's going on inside of us, and we ask him for things. And if you don't want to do that in prayer, you are like the adult who doesn't want to talk about the hard issue. You just want to sweep it under the rug, you know? Like, have you ever been in that situation where something hard needs to be talked about in a family or a friendship, and you're the person who's like, well, let's just, you know what, let's just not talk about it. Let's sweep it under the rug. I'm sure it'll go away. How, how has that worked out for you and me, huh? That doesn't work at all, but we have that sinful tendency inside of us to not be honest about what's going on with us. So this petition, this idea of asking God for things or being honest with God, you're going to feel a little bit like, is this really necessary? And Jesus is going to say, 
yes. It's absolutely necessary to your prayer life. We as Christians, when we petition God in prayer, we are asking him for essential things in our lives. So what are those things? Well, there's three areas I think that Jesus is going to tell us about three areas that we are going to petition God about, and I think they're going to be very helpful for us. The first area that we need to petition God about is our physical needs. We need to petition God about our physical needs, okay? Give us this day, verse 11, our daily bread. So Jesus starts with the, the phrase, give us. Give us indicates that we are petitioning God. We are asking God for stuff. We're asking him to attain or come down to our level and and give some attention to the things that we're most concerned about. So in this, you can see the give us phrase in verse 11. It is admitting something, right? It's admitting that God is the giver and I am the receiver. For some of you, that is really hard. You have to come to God and say, God, You're the giver in this situation. I'm the receiver. Many of you have the attitude, or some of you at least, have the attitude that, well, I don't want anybody giving me anything. If anything, I'm going to be the one giving. I don't want anybody giving anything to me. This is a hard moment for you in prayer because you need to go to God and say, God, you're stronger. You have more resources. You have a wiser mind than me. And here are the things that I need. Give us this day our daily bread. The word, the phrase daily bread means one provisional or one's essential physical needs as a human being. Okay, certainly all of us have physical needs that we arise to every day when we roll out of bed. Can I get a witness and an amen? Y'all had a lot of needs this morning when you woke up. You didn't just roll out and walk into this church, right? All right, maybe some of you did, but most of you did not, all right? Y'all had to do some work and you had some needs right away. You have a need for a glass of water. You have a need for coffee. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. All right. Praise God. All right. Praise Jesus. I see that coffee. Amen. And that one and that one. But we have a need for food, sustenance. We have to have our daily bread. Literally. All right. You need a pancake in the morning. You need some eggs in the morning. You need physical sustenance in your life every day. So bread and grain, certainly we can look at this phrase that Jesus gives us and we can say he's being literal here. Like he's being literal. He actually means grain. He means bread. He means, yeah, give us this day our daily food that we need. All right, so in the, in the age of abundance, which we live in the age of abundance, there has never been a time in recorded human history where more grain is being produced in the world than right now. And we've been worried for 50, 60 years that we're not going to have enough food to feed the world as the population gets larger and larger and larger. We've never had, on the flip side, more grain production than we have right now. And we as Iowans, we would tell Jesus a little something, something. We would say, Lord, we love the grain. Can we include corn in there as well? Amen. That's what we would say in Iowa. All right, we are in Iowa the number one producer of corn in the world, all right? Can, can I get an amen? Can I get a little Iowa dance, like a little corn dance? Like we're good. We're good at what we do, all right? Now, those of you living in Des Moines, you, you literally contribute zero to that, but, <laughs> <laughs> 
But, but you can take credit for it because it's all our state, right? Illinois, thanks, but you're second. Nebraska, thanks for participating. We'll give you a bronze medal. You're third. Iowa is number one. But even in our day of abundance of grain and corn, we still have to be praying about our daily provisions. Because even though we live in abundance, we know, we understand there is something deep inside of our soul that knows it's all very fragile. Like without God's reign and without his son and without producers producing and without, you know, wholesalers selling and without grocery stores buying, we understand that the aisles could get real thin real fast. So we pray that God, you need to give us our daily bread today, whatever we need. Now, certainly beyond the food part, Daily bread also refers to the essential physical needs we rely on uh, for God every day. So we have things like breathing. It's healthy to breathe, right? Breathing is an essential daily bread thing. God, I woke up this morning. I'm coming into my prayers. I'm breathing today. Lord, would you keep me breathing today, right? God, I need gasoline for my car. Lord, would you provide the money that I need to put gas in my car? And every time I fill up with gas, help me not to complain how cold it is in Iowa. Help me to be thankful that I have the provisions of the daily necessities to fill up my gas tank. Praise God. And what about your daily agenda? Lord, I've got meetings at 7, I've got meetings at 11, I've got meetings at 2 and 5 and 7, I've got meetings all day, I've got all these things, I've got doctor's visits. How about health prayers that we need to be praying every day? God, you have kept me alive, I have health issues, but I need my daily bread today. Can you sustain my body? And those of you who just dedicated children, which includes myself, it's a, it's a good sermon for us this morning, Right? where we would say to God, God, I've got these children, these other human beings who have human souls, eternal souls. I have no idea what to do with them. Would you give me the daily bread that I need to parent these children, to form their minds so that they know about you and they can love you? See, this daily bread thing is a huge thing and it is a daily thing that we need to pray about every day as Christians. So we are petitioning God for our daily bread. You might notice in the Old Testament, Pastor Chad uh, pointed this out this week, that the manna that came to the Israelites came every when? Every day. Right? You remember the, the Israelites that tried to put the manna away and like, oh man, look at all this stuff. We're going we're gonna to be really smart and wise and we're going to take all this provisional manna and put it under our tent and we're going to save it so we, not like these fools over here, we have provisions for all week. You remember it got all maggoty and nasty because God would not allow that to happen. He says, Israel, you're going to trust me when? Every single morning for the manna that I need. So consider what the great theologian John Stott says as he describes daily bread. He says, everything necessary for the preservation of this life is bread, including food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. Wow, what a good message for us today. When we petition God in our prayer life and we move into that middle section of our prayer time, 
This is stuff we need to be praying for. We need to be praying for our, our families and our government. We need to be praying for our house and weather. We need to be praying for these things and saying, God, every single day, I am in need of your provision in my life. Don't let me run past this part of my prayer time. Um, every time I walk down the Aldi aisle, because that's where we go sh- shopping, I walk past the toilet paper section. And every time I walk past the toilet paper section, I think about, give us this day our daily bread. Because my mind, like yours, flashes back to 2020 when it was intense, man. I had toilet paper dealers in this church. (laughs) Texting me, calling, say, hey, where do you want it? I want it in the garage. (laughs) You could put it on the second aisle in the back on my side of my garage there. Yep, on the shelf. Yep. Let's not talk about it. I won't tell anybody if you don't tell, you know? This was happening. You guys were all part of it. We were all worried. Give us this day our daily roll, right? That's how it was. I'm just saying. We are fragile creatures. Derecho comes through in a minute, a couple minutes. Devastates us. What will we do without electricity? What will we do without the, uh, the internet? I can't live without the internet. I can't live without these things. We're so fragile. So when we pray to God in the middle section of our prayer, we should pray, God, sustain me today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. It's going to worry for itself today. God, sustain my family today. Provide for our needs today. And anything we have that is just enough, we should be praising God for. Let go of the American dream and you got to have this many dollars in your bank account and this many things going on and this thing. Just be thankful you made it through the day. That should be a joyful Christian. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for your physical needs. Second area that we should be petitioning God for is the need for forgiveness. The second area is our need for forgiveness. And this is in verse 12. And forgive us our debts or forgive us of our sins. The word forgive means to send away or to let go or to leave behind. Send away my debts. Send away my sins, God. Leave behind my mess-ups, God. The word debts is a financial term that means what, that which is owed. So basically, God, I'm in a lot of debt. All right? Might be financial. Might be spiritual. God, I've sinned a lot since we last talked. And I know I'm in debt to you. And I'm asking that you would forgive me of the debt that I owe you, right? Maybe I had this section or this area of sin in my life and I need to come talk to you about it. Jesus is saying that we need to be praying and part of our petition to God is not only physical needs, but also our spiritual needs of forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness and this is a essential part of petition. So, well, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, I thought I was saved, I got saved, man. God forgave all my sins through Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, there's two elements of forgiveness in God's economy. One is when you get saved. Yes. 
When you, for the first time, pray to God and you say, I'm a wicked, proud, arrogant sinner and I need Jesus to come be my Savior and my Lord, that is the moment of salvation and that is a wonderful moment. Amen? That's a great moment when a sinner comes to meet Jesus. Yes, that is a moment in which you are petitioning God for the first time in your life that you are going to make Christ your Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. But there is another element in God's economy of forgiveness. And that is for those who already know Jesus, you must daily, you must regularly ask God and petition him for his ongoing forgiveness in your life, not for the purpose of salvation, but for the purpose of spiritual growth and fellowship with God. Okay, so you're not every day, right, praying to God saying, hey God, uh, it's Josh again. Save me again today, would you? Would you just make me born again, again, and just like, I want to become a child of God. Please forgive me of my sins. We're not getting saved every day. That is heresy. Can I get an amen? That's heresy. Right understanding is I've already been saved, but my fellowship, my closeness, my connection with God the Father is very much connected to my ability to continue to pray to God for forgiveness of sin. Because sin creates distance between me and God, and I sin every single day, so therefore I need to pray to God for forgiveness for the restoration of my friendship with God, my fellowship with God. So consider what 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John is writing this verse, these verses, to Christians. And he is commanding Christians to pray for forgiveness. So when we petition God, we not only pray for physical needs, but we say, God, I've messed up since the last time we talked. Please forgive me of my sins. Petitioning God for forgiveness should be daily and it should be honest. It should be daily and it should be honest. Now, guys in this room, I want you to circle daily, okay, daily. Many men struggle with prayer in the same way that they struggle in their marriage. Many men have had the conversation with their wife and the wife saying, you don't tell me you love me anymore. And the guy foolishly and arrogantly says, sweetheart, I said it to you like 15 years ago in front of witnesses. Nothing in our status has changed. I said it once. I still mean it. I don't need to say it again. Guys, if you have said that in your life, get on your knees now and repent to your wife. Get on your knees right now. Because guys, we just don't do well with this verbal affection over and over again. But listen, a great marriage is built off of a man who will humble himself before his wife and say, sweetheart, I love you today. I lo- and I'll love you tomorrow. And I'll say I'll love you every single day until God takes breath from my lungs. That's what it means to be a godly husband. That's what it means to have a godly marriage. And ladies, you need to tell your husband that. Sweetheart, I love you. You need to encourage that in your daily life. Why? It doesn't change your marriage status. It helps your marriage move along. Prayer is the very same way. We come to God and we talk to him again, say, God, I love you. I'm here again. I'm here again on the daily rhythm of my prayer life and I'm petitioning you daily and honestly 
that I love you and I need your forgiveness. I need to get close. For some of you this morning, this is the point that's going to ratchet home for you. You need the forgiveness of God in your life continually. And some of you need to cry out to God even this morning and confess some sin and get right and get restored. So we as Christians, we should petition God for our physical needs and also for our need for forgiveness. The third area we should petition God for is our need to forgive others. I have the potential in this point to offend every single one of you. Every single one of you because every one of you is a sinner walking in a sinful world with other sinners and you have probably offended another Christian in your life and you have probably been offended by another Christian in your life, at least someone who professes Christ. And right now you're struggling with the need to forgive other people. But Jesus says we should forgive as we have been forgiven by God, we should also forgive our debtors. And the phrase, forgive our debtors, it indicates that Jesus expects us to show the reality of our real conversion to Christ by forgiving, extending horizontal forgiveness to those around us. Walking in joyful forgiveness And the idea is the same thing. You let go or you send away the sins of the person who has offended you. You stop holding the sins of other people inside your heart. You release them from the offense that they have committed against you and you walk joyfully in forgiveness of that person. Now, here's just a a Christian forgiveness ethic. This is the Christian forgiveness ethic. We don't forgive others for God's forgiveness. We forgive others because of God's forgiveness. Okay, those are big differences in words. We don't forgive others for God's forgiveness. And to illustrate that, if someone sins against you and they say, hey, I sinned against you, please forgive me. You don't say, fine, I'll forgive you. But it's only because I want God to forgive me. Okay, like that's not the Christian ethic. Many Christians live their lives that way. We forgive others this way. We forgive, and someone comes to you and says, hey, please forgive me. We forgive, and you say, because Jesus has shown so much mercy in my life, I'm happy to forgive. I'm quick to forgive. Now, now the restoration of the relationship might take a little while, so don't, I'm not saying perfection in five seconds. You know, I'm saying It takes a while to repair the relationship, but the heart of saying, I forgive you, has great power because I am forgiven by Jesus, okay? So that's the Christian ethic of forgiveness. Jesus expects the regular, daily petition of forgiving other people So when you come into the prayer room, you say, God, I'm having a struggle with A, B, and C, brother and sister in Christ, someone who's offended me, someone who's hurt me. I'm petitioning you right now. I'm saying their name out loud. I'm asking you to give me the grace to forgive them in my heart right now. Give me the grace to do that because right now I don't have the power in and of myself. All of a sudden, your prayer life becomes a lot more active, right? Because you're thinking of people and names and faces and relationships and you're saying, God, help me get in the prayer room and petition you 
because I want victory over this. I don't want to be bitter towards anybody. Okay, Jesus did this in Luke 23, 34, where he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Jesus hanging on the cross. Put yourself in that moment if you can. Jesus is hanging on the cross, looking at the people who are mocking him, putting spears in his side, whipping him, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who I am. This is the spirit of a Christian walking in forgiveness, petitioning God, saying, hey, God, I know I've been hurt, but this is the heart that I have for that person, and and help me say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing to me. They don't know what they're doing to my mind and my heart. It hurts, right? Now, listen, in that area of forgiveness, we all want the transaction of forgiveness, don't we? We all want the conversation. Hey, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Okay, yes, I forgive you. Like That transaction is beautiful. In biblical counseling, and we're a counseling church, we do this all the time, right? Ourselves, we've, we've been the offender. We've been the offended. We've, we've seen this all across our church counseling ministry. We have been on both sides of that equation, and it's painful no matter how you do it. But we're also instructing and counseling and helping people within the church and within the community to get along with each other, not so that we can sing kumbaya around some fire, but so that we can see people really restored to a knowledge of Jesus and a love for brother or sister in Christ. Now, you don't always get the transaction. You don't always get the conversation. So what do you do if you're never going to have that conversation with that person and it's just not going to be possible? Prayer room. Pray for the person by name. Prepare your heart for God to give you that conversation so that you are displaying a posture of forgiveness. You're ready to forgive. You're like a dad waiting for his little kid to run to him and just say, I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to forgive whenever God allows that to happen. Now that could take five minutes, five hours, five days, five years, 50 years You may never get the conversation in this lifetime, but you should always, as a Christian, have the posture of forgiveness. So, forgiving others is where the rubber meets the road of your Christian life. And I would say this, um, if you claim to be a godly Christian, walking with Jesus, posting scripture all over your socials and saying, hey, I just love Jesus, but you've got anger and bitterness in your heart that is unresolved. You are a grandstander and a faker. And I would say very strongly to you, you need to very strongly consider whether you're even a Christian. Now that sounds really harsh, but that's what Jesus is saying here. You cannot be a Christian and perpetually and habitually walk in a spirit of unforgiveness towards somebody else. Can't happen. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me so. The unforgiving servant of Matthew 18, how can you be forgiven 10,000 talents of sin and yet choke out your fellow brother or sister for 10 10, days of wages? How can you do that? You can't if you really know Jesus. So, Ephesians 4.32, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Petitioning God, 
doing battle in your heart to forgive somebody else, that is where it's at. You gotta go there in your prayer life and you've got to forgive people. Now, Spurgeon said this. He said, the man who refuses to get forgive refuses to be forgiven. That's powerful. The man who refuses to forgive refuses to be forgiven. And C.J. Mahaney said it this way. He said, when I become bitter or unforgiving towards others, I, I'm assuming that the sins of other people are more serious than my sins against God. The cross transforms my perspective. Through the cross of Jesus, I realize that no sin committed against me will ever be as serious as the innumerable sins I've committed against God. And when I understand how much God has forgiven us, it's not difficult to forgive others. We should petition God about our need to forgive other people. And for some of you, you need to forgive. Some of you are, cha- are really like biting against this point right now. Because you're like, forgive anybody? Like, pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand my story. My story is different than everybody else's story. My anger, my bitterness towards this person in my life is justified. You don't even understand. Well, let me just challenge you. Let me say in love, you're wrong. You're wrong. You can forgive. Through the power of Jesus Christ, you can forgive. When you understand what Christ has done for you, you can forgive others. And I'm going to close this point and this message with the example of Shelby Houston. Some of you have heard of this 18-year-old girl. Some of you saw her video. It went viral in early December of this year. Her dad, Brian Houston, or Richard Houston, he was a police officer. He was shot and killed in early December. And you're going to see a video of her speaking a eulogy at her father's funeral regarding the forgiveness that she feels towards the man who shot her dad. And it's a very powerful illustration of the love that only Jesus Christ can give, the forgiveness that only he can give. So we're going to watch this video, then I'll come up and we'll close the message together, but watch her spirit of forgiveness and the power of Christianity. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me. But as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. 
My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. Shelby's petitions are pretty powerful. How do they compare to your petitions when you pray for your enemies and those who hurt you? May God give the Spirit of Jesus to each one of us. When we petition God, we're in the nitty-gritty of the prayer process. We're in the middle stage. We get practical with God, and when we petition, we petition about our physical needs We petition about the forgiveness that we need. And then we petition about the forgiveness we give. So as we pray, you're going to have a chance just to have a couple minutes to respond to the Lord. And I don't know what your petition is going to be like, but I know that there are people in your life that you're struggling to forgive. I'm sure of it. And then I'm also sure that there's forgiveness that you need this morning. And I'm 100% confident that you have physical needs to pray about as well. So whatever those things are, all right, I just want us as a church to take the next two or three minutes and respond to God. And let's let our petitions be known to Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we do need our daily bread. We do need to be forgiven. And oh God, we do need to forgive others. Lord, only you can bring that about by the power of the Holy Spirit to allow us the ability to forgive and to be forgiven and to trust you for our provisional needs. Jesus, you made it all possible by dying on the cross and rising again. So Lord, I pray that our response would rise up to you as a pleasing act of worship. So Lord, help us. Give us the strength to respond now. In Jesus' name, amen.